Welcome to The Last Supper, a weekly podcast featuring emerging and established artists, galleries, curators and collectors in Asia. Learn more about art in Asia with Christie's Education in-person and virtual art courses, gallery visits and webinars. Visit Christie's Education website and enter all in capital letters Last Supper 15 to enjoy a 15% discount. The website link and discount code for Christie's Education can also be found in the description of this podcast. Hello, I'm your host Oscar Venhuis and in today's episode I met Mindy Liu, a Hong Kong-based artist. From a studio we discussed her work and began our conversation with her airing blanket project. We discussed the background of her tendering peel work, talked about how she collaborated with the hidden space team and we delved into how the value of objects appear to change over time that is central to her work. Hello Mindy, thank you for inviting me to your studio today. How are you today? Yeah, I'm doing good. And how are you? I'm really well, thanks for asking. I've been able to walk between the really bad rain showers today. So uh, luckily there is a, a long walkway from the train, which uh, is completely covered. So tell me where we are here in Hong Kong. Yeah, we are now in Kwai Chon in a, at my studio. So yeah, I think Kwai Chon is uh, really like... A really interesting place is it's like a mix of the industrial area and also the residential area. So of course we are now in an industrial building and it is like located at the heart of the industrial area at Kwai Chung, but it only takes like two minutes walk from here to the residential area. So it's like a mix of this two totally different areas together because i think many art collectives like artists they are moving in quite strong i think maybe because the rent here is relatively lower than the other places like fortan like kunton so yeah many artists are moving in and you can like i think there is like a microclimate like a micro art community here so uh, you can easily reach another like different artists here and also there are many like independent art space and also a few art galleries here located in Kwai Chung, like the hidden space, my all-time favorite art space in Hong Kong, and also like galleries like the Han Ars, the Stro Gallery. So yeah, it is really interesting like place with a mix of like totally different cultures together. Yeah, the people at uh, Hidden Space are amazing. And interviewed Kay Mei Ling Beatman last year as well in her independent art space. And now you mentioned this, I know why this area looks so familiar to me, but we are in a different direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's totally different. I think uh, we are now at a more like north side of Kwai Chong. But for uh, Hidden Space, it is really like the center, the heart of the industrial area in Kwai Chong. So we are like in the like uh, in the kind of like a boundary between the residential area and industrial area. So yeah. We are in your studio at the moment and I see all kinds of work around me. I see a work in progress painting or at least that appears to be one on the right side of me on the wall and I think you really like animation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um yeah this is an unfinished painting yeah i'm currently working on and <laughs> obviously you can because you can find like some comics here so i'm obviously i'm also an animation and also comic lover yeah 
Now, let's talk a little bit more about you, Mindy. What can you say about yourself? So, I'm Mindy Lui, Luyan Yi, and I'm a Hong Kong-based artist, and I'm primarily working with drawings and paintings, and also sometimes like video installations and also found object installations. And uh, most of my works are object-based. That I explore on objects, like with their values, their identities, and also sometimes the material culture, like how the social or maybe the cultural reality grounded in these different types of objects. And usually, my objects that. I'm really intrigued by our daily objects, like the household uh, electronic appliances, or maybe like the dry tangerine pills, and also like the rice grain, and then the airing blanket, like this painting, like. The painting that I'm currently working on is about the airing blanket. So I'm really fascinated by these types of objects, and usually for my works, because I think my life is so short, just so I have like really really limited time. So usually, like once I'm like interested in something, then I will spend like as much time as possible. To like with these objects, so usually my works or maybe my practice were done in series. So it is like very long progress about like how I be with these different types of objects, and I think it's kind of like a sequence of my art practice. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I graduated from the um, ABA HKBU uh, three years ago, and I will continue on my study. Uh, of fine art in MFA at the CUHK starting from this year. You pointed at a blanket that's in your painting, but listeners are unable to see this. So, what is an airing blanket? Yeah, airing blanket is like because um, Hong Kong people, especially for the elder people, they really love like airing their stuff outside in the public area, and the airing blanket is like a seasonal <laughs> activity that people like. They dry their blankets outside their house in the public area, so they like they air their blanket everywhere, like maybe on the fence or maybe like just on the chair, on the really random stuff. So I was really fascinated by how the blanket is like hiding, hiding, or maybe like part of the environment is hidden inside the blanket, but the blanket's shape is like reformed by the environment. So yeah, this uh, scene are very like interesting to me. So what is airing blanket in Cantonese? Um, actually, it's like a verb form in Cantonese. We call it a saipei. It's like an activity. You're trying to dry your blanket. So sai is dry and the blanket is pei. So it's saipei. You said that you typically work in a series. Why do you have this approach of creating multiple versions? Yeah, I think I just started this series at the end of last year, so I'm continuing on this series and also with the dry tangerine pills series. And this is like a start of it, but I will continually like working on this until the day that I lost interest. What I find really fascinating about talking with artists, including yourself, is that some of them seem to take real pleasure out of very mundane activities. So through this kind of obsession you have around airing blankets in public spaces, have you also been able to talk with people who air these blankets outside? And if so, what do they say about your project? Maybe because like Hong Kong people, they are more like used to, to uh, see this kind of blanket in the public area. So I. 
didn't really talk much about like this kind of like very cultural activity in Hong Kong, or maybe there's like a collective in Hong Kong. I think I think I talk more about the airing blanket series in Japan because I just had a residency in Fukuoka with. And the other artist,、uh, and we had a group show there. And then because I think Japanese, they really concern or care about their own privacy, so they never, never air any stuff or put any their own private stuff in the public area. So I think it is kind of weird or strange scenario to them that Hong Kong people drying their stuff outside, because、uh, even like. For Japanese people,、um, they have like their own balcony to air their stuffs. Maybe because of the limitation in Hong Kong, like we have really small flats, we have really limited space, so we have to like extend our activity to the public areas, to the yeah, to the ground that we share together. So yeah, I think there's a totally like cultural differences. Also, that's why like I talk more about. The airing blanket, this kind of activity to Japanese, and so yeah, that create that kind of like because they are very used to the airing blankets because they love to air their blanket, but they never air in the public area. So there, I think there is like a a contrast between these two cities. The project in Japan you are referring to and just described was part of an art residence program in Fukuoka, right? We had a residency and also a group exhibition in Fukuoka, and the exhibition and also the residency were organized and co-created by Kobe and Jasmine. And then we have a total of five artists together, including me, Hiwa, and C, and Pearl, and also Kevin. So our whole project is like based on the observation of. Two different cities, and also based on the modernology. So during the whole residency and also the exhibition, we have like two to three weeks to explore the Fukuoka city, and then like for the exhibition, we each of us we have to have like two works. One、uh, was done. In Hong Kong, so it's like basically like the Hong Kong piece is like inspired, and the other one you have to like or be based it on the your observations in Fukuoka. Yeah, like what I was really interested during that period, I was really interested in the airing blanket and also the dry tenderloin peel. One of the reasons why I was really interested in these two stuffs was because, like, once I randomly walked past a park and then I found that like there are some old people they're airing their blanket and. Right underneath the blanket, they're airing the、um, tangerine pills. Their tangerine pills on ground, and I was thinking about like because these two things should you can never see them appear together because one should be belong to the living room and the other one, the tangerine pills are like used it as spice or maybe as like Chinese medicine in our cuisine. So、uh, we never see them. Together, when it comes to our home, but when it comes to the public area, they happen together. Like these two, they they appear together. So I was really intrigued and really like, yeah, really into that scene. And then I start to think about like, because once these two objects were there, it means that it is in a good weather. Like so, I'm I was thinking about like because the blanket will it absorb like the smell of the tenderloin because. 
it has a very strong smell of the pill. So will that kind of smell be absorbed into the blanket? And then is it like the identities of the so because they share the same temperature. So is it like the three identities, the identity of the sunshine of Hong Kong and also like the tannin pill and also the airing blanket? Are they like their identities become like like overlap together, become super ambiguous, I think. So I think this kind of gray area between them, that's what I was really into. And then I was trying, I was trying to bring the tendering pills and also the uh, airing blanket together to Fukuoka. So I felt like I was like bringing the sunshine of Hong Kong to the Fukuoka with this kind of carriers. like objects as the carriers of the sunshine so to Fukuoka so I think this kind of like absence of presence of the sun uh, in these objects I think yeah this is what I want to like bring to bring from Hong Kong to Fukuoka and for the Fukuoka part because about the tenron pill so it takes like three years or more than three years, usually more than three years, to turn the fresh tannin pills into dry tannin pill. It's like kind of like a process of aging, like like fermentation. So it takes time. And um, and I find that like because there is a very specific kind of um, tannin pills from uh, mainland China city, Xinhui, yeah, it is like dominating the whole um, tannin pill market. It's like there is no other tannin pill coming from other cities or yeah maybe because of the like cultural reason or maybe because of the our eating habit or maybe because the soil of in Xinhui is better like the weather condition anyway I was trying to google like is it possible to use another types of tangerine to tangerine pills to make this kind of very specific dry tangerine pills maybe it can like share the similar like medical effects uh, or maybe uh, share a similar smell or maybe taste with the original Xinhui tangerine pill so I was thinking about this I think everything is like starting from my curiosity and then I was trying to experiment uh, like to test on so I then try and then I have another works in Fukuoka and it is in a series also and I now have two like two types of tangerine pill one is made in Hong Kong I'm using the local tangerine to to peel the pills and then make them into a very like traditional like typical dry tangerine pill the shapes like butterflies like with wings and then the other one I'm using because Fukuoka is really well known for its tangerine so I was using the tangerines there to make this kind of dry tangerine pill and then like after I dry them like in two different cities like and also after I dry these pills in Fukuoka so I then I'm now keeping them in the jars to isolate from the air here so it is like the whole like like the mi- microclimate is dehydrated or maybe it's like inside a, that's two jars yeah the dried pills of tangerines is quite a common sight in Hong Kong when it's a really nice day, especially a sunny day in Hong Kong, and you walk through the streets of Shenhuang, you can see these as well. What else can you say about the application or how people use the dry tendron pills in Hong Kong? There are like tendron pills, they're like 
various ways to use it for Chinese people. Uh, usually in mainland in Hong Kong or like in some other uh, regions, we use them as tea, like herbs, like tea herbs, and also we use them as spice, especially uh, when we are cooking seafood, steaming the maybe the abalone and also other types of seafood. We usually put some dry tangerine peels on top of it to make it. Like taste more like maybe refreshing or some like it. so it we also use it as spice and also we used them um, as a kind of like a Chinese medicine. We, we keep like <laughs> like cooking so so we boil the tangerine pill and in water so and then it it may like soothe our pain like our throat pain and some other stuff like it is good for our lungs. So yeah, so there are like different. In fact, that tangerine peel can work on our physical bodies, and also like the longer, the longer process, the longer aging process, like the older the tangerine peels are, the more like expensive, and also they increase its value. So there is an idiom in Cantonese uh, is "tanpei guai go gum," and uh, oh, sorry, it's, yeah, "tanpei guai go gum," and it means that um, tangerine peels are more expensive than gold. Yeah. What about in Japan? Do people in Japan use dried tangerine peels for the same reason? I think for Japanese, they don't. I think like eighty percent of the visitors to the show, they don't know what dried tangerine peels are. And I, yeah, I would like to share like, yeah, because I aired the tangerine peel in my hotels. A like little balcony, and also in the public area, and then like <laughs> because I was airing them on the, like in in my hotel, and then the cleaner she put a card right on top of my tangerine peel, saying that she doesn't really understand what what that <laughs> what these are, and she she was wondering is it like they are, are they trash like rubbish? If yes, like please like. Uh, she asked me, "Please put them inside the trash bin, because they're very used to tangerines and they know what is the shape or maybe what is the texture, like how it looks like for the pills. But once I turn them into a very particular form or a very like shaped form, then they start to have that kind of confusion because pill to them are like trash, like rubbish. But once you turn them into a into a Relatively, or uh, they think it is more artistic, like a more artistic form. Then they start to have that kind of confusion. So I think this kind of like, oh, I think this stuff, uh, this object is something that I'm, I'm very familiar with. But oh wait, what is it like? Oh, uh, it looks a bit different from what, uh, like what, what inside my mind. So that kind of um strange feeling, or maybe that kind of alienation. I think it's really, yeah, it's really super, yeah. I have a small favor to ask that will make a big impact. I offer this podcast at zero cost. I'm doing this to promote art in Asia and offer different viewpoints. If you like this. Please subscribe, give it a star rating, and share this podcast with anyone who you believe can benefit from listening to this podcast as well. Many thanks, and let's continue. Now, let's talk about another project you did last year, November and December, at Hidden Space in Hong Kong. What can you say about this project and the work you developed for this? It was a dual show, and I was having a dual channel video there, and、um, maybe I talked. 
something about my work first. So, and that's two channels, like dual channels video. Uh, one is my front part, like the front part of my face, and the other one is like the the back part of my face, of my upper part of my body. So, um. In the two videos, is like I was trying to wear like four massages together, together like four massages for your upper part of your body, like for your for the top of your head, for your eyes, and also for your for your jaw jawline, and also for your neck together at the same time. So um, and they are all from like the Taobao, um, just uh, recommended by the algorithm, like the system, yeah. And then I was wearing them. Um, like all together, and then it also started from my like like my question like because like massages um is aimed to like soothe your pain like pain for a specific like body parts or maybe to um provide you a very relaxing or pleasant experience. So what if I try to maximize this kind of pleasure or maybe to try to put all them on? Will I have that kind of like? Mastermind is kind of like very pleasant experience, or is it like totally different from what I expected? So the video document the whole process. I was wearing them until the moments that I couldn't bear anymore, like or maybe they were running out of their batteries. So yeah, yeah, it was a an very intimate experience, and I'm not going to tell anybody about like whether this experience is um is. Good or not, yeah. So yeah, and one of the thing I really like about this work is I didn't expect that like it does create that kind of very cyborg feeling, that very futuristic feeling. Like if we are trying to imagine what future will be like ten years ago, like I think this is like how I would imagine. Like I think it's like Matrix, like the movie, yeah. Because it is not that、um, popular in Hong Kong, so I don't think many people know what these are. Like through the through the, my video, like through the monitors, so they were guessing are they、uh, VR, the virtual reality machines, or maybe the medical machines? Like, but yeah, these are just massages with very cheap plastic and very simple、um, kinetic energy, like very simple kinetic programs. So yeah, these are the. Video that I was working on, and it, the two videos are around like twenty four minutes. Yeah, and I think the reason why I would really love to share about maybe this exhibition, this experience is is about the progress about working with Hidden Space, working with K, Katie, and also Isabella. I think they're amazing, <laughs> really, because we have around. One month for our whole installation period, and I think it's a really luxury of time because I do have like many show like different types of shows like、uh, in art space in galleries or maybe at independent like area like before, but none of them could provide. Me more than a week to work to maybe to enhance the whole presentation. To think to really consider about everything about your work, the whole experience that you could provide to your visitors. But hidden space allowed us to do that, so we could have time to work with my friends to how to say to totally like to transform the space into a totally different feeling, like compared with the normal white. 
areas. So we built the like a chamber. We built a chamber to to limit roads to create different roads for visitors to visit, and then. Also, I think they're like three of them are super supportive because I think it's it's rare to have really critical or really honest conversations in Hong Kong about your art practice because I think Hong Kong people usually maybe they think they don't want to hurt you or maybe they are really caring about your feelings. So usually they are not that straightforward or not that honest. I think, but yeah, three of them are super like super honest. But me and the other artists, we know what we are going to do. So they are just like providing like the how I can like totally change my presentation or maybe I can what can I do like some really different elements how can I apply to the space so yeah we talk a lot so I think it's a really 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 like how to say how to say yeah really luxuries of time and also and also a really pleasure um, not pleasure but a really good experience for me to work as this I'll uh, post the image on the website, but this work is a very futuristic and avant-garde looking installation. On the wall you have installed, I think, two light boxes that radiate this kind of fluorescent blue light and your face is strapped with multiple devices that covers your eyes, chin, neck and head. Yeah, there are multiple, there are a total of four massages i think yeah, one is not obvious this hidden here like right next to the neck part so yeah there are a total of uh, four machines together like i bought from um different companies so yeah but i like <laughs> they because i think um they they share so i think it's like out of my ex- expectation they are sharing very similar like very similar looks and also very similar forms and also you can see like the massages they're all in curves like very smooth very soft curves so yeah combining with my flash so i think when all the things come together it looks like very like yeah yeah, like all in one and what can you say about the collaboration with hidden space because we are looking at the finished version but how did your project emerge and evolved through the dialogues and discussions you had with them the first time we um we know about this exhibition like Kay invited us, like me and and the other artist Sean, yeah, together to have this duo show. It's like more than half a year before the start of the exhibition. So uh, we have time to experiment on on the because we I think like the artists we are really clear about what we are going to do we have a meeting before like a very small meeting like to share like what we are going to come up with in this small flat so um i was having a projection screen right inside this flat and i showed them this video and and then i think they they didn't really want to like interrupt our practice or be involved 
in too much but they like once it comes to the space like I'm don't really like I'm really sensitive with the like the space or maybe the allocation like how you try to present your work I don't think I am as sensitive as them so when and more familiar with the hidden space than them so when it comes to the space they really like gave us so many options and also so many opinions and we have a meeting together like with three of them and then we were in the exhibition place and we used different tools because our, our works haven't done yet during that time so we can use everything that we have on hand we use tapes we use chairs to like to foresee like how the space can be transformed in yeah so yeah, we talk we really talk a lot about the presentation like um like the scale of the maybe the projection the tv like whether which one should we use like everything yeah, everything about the the site and also about the like every detail like even like the tubes or the fire alarm in the space how can we deal with this kind of different elements it is um, my works were evolving because we really talked so much about like how can the things come together in a good way i think have you been able to apply the same or similar practice somewhere else as well because what i understand is that your working method was very unique because of the dialogues and the dimensions of hidden space that appear to have informed the final outcome of your work mm. this work could be like adapt to different a totally different show but i think it would be a totally different experience with the one that in hidden space because the hidden space show is like everything is like tailor-made for our works but yeah for another shows maybe i don't think maybe because of the time limitation in time and also because this kind of very honest conversation might not be able to happen everywhere i think so i'm not so sure of course i'm not so sure about like what will it become if this works is to show in another space but i think like this time this kind of like conversation and also working experience and also the progress is really unique to me i think so earlier we discussed your airing blanket paintings and the last one last project is an installation both works are very different both in execution and in working method as well so i'm really curious how you arrived at the project xxx at hidden space yeah it's totally different because i think as i have said i was really interested in different household appliances and also different objects so once I start to uh, objects being so interesting to me, then I will like try to ask question about that objects. And then I think most of my works, like this one or maybe the tenrim pearl one, I'll just based it on a very simple question or maybe a very simple, just based it on my curiosity, like the question that I try to ask to this object. Yeah, but I, of course the object could never answer me, so I have to find out myself. So, when we look at your work, that is very diverse, both in working methods and in its uh, materiality. How would you describe your work? Because other than the fact that you are basically the bridge between these pieces, 
Is there an overarching approach or are they all very individual and unique works? About the, like, the backbone of my practice, I think, of course, I'm doing like just things that I'm interested in, but I'm really also interested i think i really like to research on or maybe explore like how these objects could be like evolve because people evolve and objects also evolve like how they could be evolved or their value their things can be changed based on maybe time or maybe like a very regional like locations this kind of factors like how these objects the roles of them, the identities of them could be in totally different eras or maybe in totally different yeah, sites. So I was really into this kind of thinking, yeah, thinking about how could them be like, maybe it would change. Like maybe when I was small, I look into these objects, I have totally different recognition because I have lack experience of using objects. But like once I grow up, like I have more chances, like because more and more things are being invented because of the like the technology and because of the improvement of the technology. So more and more things are um, being invented. We are, we are all like surrounded by this kind of like um, maybe tools or maybe objects. And so I think I just want to see like how these objects could be evolved, like after the evolve of human. Yeah. I think I'm still like exploring everything that I can do. I think I I never want to be limited to a very specific medium or maybe a specific object or something. But yeah, I just try to spend time with them until the day that I lost interest in them. Or or maybe if even maybe after 10 or 20 years after, maybe then I suddenly realized that ah, I'm no longer interested in objects anymore. Maybe I'm uh, more interested in human body. Then I would try to like explore like on to maybe to paint human body, but maybe the future, how it works. Yeah, we don't know. But yeah, but at least I think I know what I'm interested in now. And yeah, I'm just doing like to test the things that I can work at this stage. You said that time is short and you mentioned it several times. Why do you emphasize this? Maybe because like, so because different things happen these few years, not only about my personal experience, like my my life and also like my life, my family, my friendships and all my different relationships, but also because of the environment in Hong Kong, like everything in Hong Kong changed so suddenly. And I think because too many things are like happening together. So I think I don't really have time to really spend time with everything like life keeps changing yeah so i just want to like do things that i would like to do at this moment the notion of trying to slow down time is that somehow related to what has happened in the last year in the world with covid but especially with the rapid transformation of hong kong because you know the very fast changes in hong kong so because you know once the whole environment changed then like the things will keep on 
changing based on the environment or maybe on the like the situation during that time. Like the airing blankets, I I just mentioned because of the COVID and also because of the like the more like restrictions in for like the laws for like. People are not allowed to hang their stuff in the public area. So, because when I was like smaller, like and around nine years old, I think, yeah, I just follow my dad to like to visit different area, like different area, different districts in Hong Kong, and I could find like so many this type of scenes that people were airing their stuff. Their people were like just walking around and having fun on the street. But I think it is. Becoming more like rare in the situation now, maybe because of the COVID, people would not love to air this stuff because hygiene, the COVID, and yeah, the whole our whole like habits are changed because of the environment. So I think yeah, it is because it's more rare. So that's why I would like to maybe to capture the scenes or maybe to have some records of these years. In my works, yeah, and this is also one of the thing. Yeah, I would like to do. I'm curious if you like to indulge yourself in the past, or are you a person that prefers to focus on the future? <laughs> I think for me, I think I'm a person looking more backwards, but in a way, I try. I'm trying to look forward, but yeah, I think both. I'm trying to, but obviously, I'm looking backwards. Yeah. I think it's because of my grow up environment. After my birth, I born in nineteen ninety seven, so I didn't really have experience the time that like before the Hong Kong they called it as like the a golden age, like in the eighties or nineties. Yeah, because my dad, because I was growing up in a very small flat with my dad and mom. And it is in like a estates, so I really remember like how we were trying, like kids were playing around the laughters and also like the scenes, just like what I said, like people love to the neighborhoods. They're all really like connected to each other, like everyone. But then, like after maybe in the past decade, I think in the past ten years, then I can feel that like the society was changing. Yeah, and then many things has gone. Like so. Now let's talk about your rice grain project. What can you say about how this began? This is a project that I'm also like working on now. Like starting from my graduation, like three years ago in two thousand twenty. Yeah, this is a. Video first about actually this video is like just a partial of the video, but the video actually was super long, like three hours and thirty seven minutes. So it documents the process that I was trying to count actually how many grains are there of rice grains are there in my bowl of rice. Yeah, because in English, um, rice is already a plural form. So if we're like They're in groups, and if we would like to describe maybe a rice grain, we have to add a unit, like a grain of rice in front of rice. So I think the power of maybe that grain of rice is being like underestimated, or maybe it's like we are totally disrespect this grain of rice. So because you know after cooking the rice, it they become super sticky. So I was. 
uh, trying to separate them, separate them by using this. Is it called clipper? Like by using this, this to separate them, and I try to count actually how many grains there in my bowl of rice, and I got the number like three thousand two hundred and two. So I then in my honors project, I then try to draw like I randomly pick a grain of rice. And then I try to draw that grain of rice for three thousand two hundred and two times. It's like to pretend, pretend that grain of rice become in a group again, like become a bowl of rice again because of the quantity to increase, like to increase its quality. Yeah. And this title of a project is <laughs> it is not a word. It is a very specific Chinese punctuation mark called "dunhou," and "dunhou" it never appeared in English grammar because "dunhou" is a, a punctuation mark trying to separate a very similar groups of maybe nouns, and then they try to separate this. Things is I think in English we use comma, but in、uh, Chinese we use dunhou, and the dunhou like this shape, the form of dunhou is really it looks really like like a rice grain, a really small like stop I think so. Yeah, I use this to like kind of like a metaphor of my what I was doing in this project. Yeah, and it was like the start of my another project. Again, yeah. And this new project is that the grain of rice project. Yeah, because I I just yeah I said that like because I randomly picked a grain of rice and then because I have to draw that grain of rice for three thousand two hundred two times, so then it means that I have spent so much time with that grain of rice. I've spent like half year of that grain of rice. So after the end of this project, I think something between me and that grain of rice changed. Like I was thinking about, ah,、oh, what can I do with this grain of rice? It'd be like kept like a just an object inside my box, or can I? I don't know. I don't. I don't want to throw it away. I still want to keep it, but I don't know what I can do with it.、Uh, should I eat it or? Yeah, of course I won't eat it. Yeah, so I think something between that grain of rice and also me has changed. So I then I was thinking, about, oh, maybe I should do something based on that grain of rice. Then I, and now I have the other series called name a grain of rice. It is not really a series. It is a very like long process of work. That I firstly I measure like I weight measure the weights and also the height of that grain of rice, and then、I、create a grid system based on the original height of that grain of rice, and then、I、try to. Is like the frottage, like the etching. Like I do the、uh, um the frottage based on that grain of rice and also grid system. So I repeatedly like I do the etching, the frottage repeatedly again and again of different like tracing papers, because I put the tracing paper on top of that grain of rice and then move the paper to another grid to like keep doing this repeatedly. So the paper tells. Is this like semi? Is like not that 
flats is like semi 3D, so it tells like the shape, the form of the rice itself. So I think because on the in the previous object, I think I'm taking the more active role because I draw that grain of rice based on my observation. So I just observe and then I draw. But in this one, I think the grain of rice is more like telling its form on. My paper to me. So I, what I have to do, I'm just like a machine. What I have to do is just like tracing, tracing the shape of that grain of rice, and I'm doing this repeatedly. And what, and and even till now, I'm still doing this. I really like this project because what I'm really interested or intrigued by is that because like every time when I try to do this, the rice grain becomes. A bit smaller, a bit smaller, and a bit smaller. Of course, it is not that obvious, but I try to measure the weight. It, it lost some weight, and I think like I was then I started think like maybe after I w- copying the screen of rice for like millions of time, we would disappear, like vanished. I feel like capturing the whole life of. One specific grain of rice, like capturing the dying process of this grain of rice. So yeah, that's what I'm really into, and I I can't wait to see like what will this grain of rice become. Now let me ask you my last question: If you were to have your last supper, who would you invite and why? Um. Because the first one came to my mind was my mom, but if it is like beyond my family, I will I would love to have my last supper with an artist named Che Ta Heng. Che Che Ta Heng, he is a Taiwanese artist, and I think he is one of the like the biggest not reason, but I think he really influenced my work. Yeah, he's my. Idol, I think my idol in this art field. Yeah, for most of his works, they're also in really long progress. Of course, usually his works are based on a specific duration, usually for one year, like for one year. And then I think his he also said that like his medium was time, and I think like what he. Did repeatedly, and what he's trying to transform time, or put like transform time to something that kind of like visible to us. I think I could see some not similarity, but some something that is similar between me and his work. Maybe because I'm, of course, I'm inspired by him. Some of the work, so yeah, I can see like the consideration about time and duration, and also this. How to say your mind that really into only one thing? I think that's why. Many thanks, Vinny, for your time and inviting me over to your studio to talk about your work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Last Supper with artist Minyi Liu. If you like this show about art in Asia, show your support by giving us a star rating and subscribing to this podcast. That's it. But don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at thelastsupper.asia. Also, send me a message if you have questions, suggestions, and new subjects about art in Asia. 
And if you don't have pen and paper handy, more information about each episode can be found in this podcast description and on the website www.thelastsupper.asia.